Hi, I'm Ellie, and I've spent the last 10 years hoovering up pretty much anything that promises me enlightenment or inner peace. I love the esoteric, the mystical, and most recently, the physical practices that bring me into altered states of consciousness and allow me to experience shifts in the way I feel. What I also love is to share these discoveries with others. So I thought it would be fun to put together a collection of some of my favorite practices and have experts in those fields explain these to you simply and coherently so that you can decide which ones resonate with you. But let me give you one big clue. All roads lead back to home. And that feeling of bliss that you so deeply desire lives right inside of you. This week, we're gonna be speaking with Michael McPherson, and he'll be tackling a subject that so many of us don't even dare come close to, and yet this lies at the root of our humanity, and that is sacred sexuality. This episode blew my mind, no pun intended. <laughs> I'm going to keep that in. I'm keeping that in. <laughs> but jokes aside, it is an unbelievably illuminating episode and you will learn how to utilize your sexual energy to greatly amplify all areas of your life. So enjoy. Michael, I've been so looking forward to this because Every time I hear you riff on something, I just revel in your eloquence and your authenticity and the truth that you speak. You are such an embodiment of the divine masculine, which I'm sure we're going to speak on later. And I've just loved getting to know you over the years because you're also so funny and real and witty. And I always appreciate wit and repartee in another person. And and also, just FYI for people listening, Michael's beloved is Mackenzie Marsloff, who I spoke to on another episode about plant medicine. And the two of them together are just the cutest and most beautiful example of a partnership devoted to the divine. So, Michael, a really warm welcome to you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for hosting me, Ellie. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to be here. And yeah, a lot of times I personally... I feel all over the place, but my work uh, in, throughout my lifetime has been permission to give myself permission to be all things, you know, to be funny, uh, to be deep, to be heartfelt, yes. to be superficial at times and light and lighthearted. So thank you for acknowledging me for that. Yes. And really, I really have to acknowledge you for that because it is a huge part of your essence is that you are all of those things. And I just love that you allow all those things to come through. And I feel very honored to be speaking with you today. Mm -hmm. So when we discussed what we wanted to center the podcast on, I mean, we could have talked about any number of things because like me, you're an extremely curious individual. You're a generator in human design like myself. So I recognize a lot of, a lot of myself in you just in terms of embracing everything and following your bliss and we really could have talked about anything you are so knowledgeable about so many different practices um but i think with you there's really one teaching that just comes through so much and i know that you are about to release a book on this so i wondered if you could start off maybe by yeah talking to us about what's hot on your heart and maybe bringing in your book and telling us a little bit about it 
Absolutely. Well, we always teach the things that we need to learn the most, right? So I uh, branched out and went on a limb and started learning and teaching and sharing uh, what I have learned around the topic of sex. And at the time that that awareness came to me, I was really resistant to it because obviously uh, in the mainstream, it's still considered such a taboo subject. Uh, People have a lot of fear that comes up around it, insecurity. Uh, They'd rather talk about anything else, really, and I'm no different. When I got the awareness that this was something that I was going to speak on and share about, I was like, really? You know, having this conversation with spirit, really? (laughs) I mean, couldn't it be anything else? (laughs) You know, Something just a little bit more comfortable, but no. Uh, We teach the things that we need to learn and embody the most, and For me, growing up and as a young man, teenager, I had a very troubled relationship with sex and my own personal sex energy. So I went on to write a book that's now complete. It's in the copy editing process, and it's going to be published most likely in quarter four of 2020. And that book is titled, Everything You Never Learned About Sex, Take Back Your Masculine Power and Use Your Sex Energy for Good. And really, that's exactly what the book is about. It's about reclaiming the power that we lost while we were still in our innocence, the power that was taken from us, from the quote-unquote powers that be, uh, you know, through things like pornography, through things like Mm -hmm. um, different types of media, uh, through things like even the way that our culture is set up to hook our sex energy without us really even being aware of it. And then add on top of that, the fear that we had around the conversation of sex. Most of us growing up in religious households or pretty reserved households, we had so much fear when it came Mm -hmm. to the subject. So had really nowhere and no one to talk to about it. And personally, my thwarted relationship began from that place of fear because I was scared to open up and talk to my parents primarily about it. So I went to a resource that I thought would provide me an opportunity to learn about sex in a safe space, which was pornography. And I think we can talk about that maybe a little bit later, but we all know what kind of happens once we plug into that system. And then using our sex energy for good. I mean, sex energy is energy. Uh, I know when you put sex in front of the word energy, it kind of, it might throw people off a little bit, but it's synonymous with other things that we're more comfortable with, our chi, our prana, our life force energy. The bottom line is sex energy is the most creative energy in the universe. It's certainly the most creative energy that we as human beings have, but the way that it's been hooked into systems that are draining our life force have actually disconnected our sex energy from the rest of our body, from the rest of our chakra system, and especially our heart. So my job and my role with this book really is to reconnect those two things, to take something that's inherently innocent in nature, our sex energy, and reconnect it with our heart so that we can use this energy to do good in the world, to create more good in the world, and ultimately to create more love in the world. Wow, that is mind-blowing and actually a whole new angle has opened up to me just from hearing you speak because whilst I've I can recognize that sex energy is just energy and it's a very powerful energy, it had never occurred to me until this moment 
that this is probably one of the only energies that is inherent in us that gets plugged into such draining, toxic outlets and therefore robbed robbed of us. It had never occurred to me that, of course, we have this energy, so much of it, and probably the more repressed we are with it, the more it builds up. So we end up having this massive amount of repressed energy, and then it just gets plugged into these draining, probably quite dangerous outlets at times. Mm-hmm. So that is fascinating. So, okay, just on that, let's go with this. So do you literally see it like when we engage in pornography or when we even engage in thinking negative thought patterns associated with our sex energy? Do you literally see that as a flow of energy just leaving our bodies and being wasted? Yes, well, it wasted would depend on the perspective that you're looking from. But what I see it as when we plug into those systems like pornography and what I've been shown in ceremonies with medicine and and ayahuasca, which unfortunately I had to leave out of my book because my publisher didn't want me to share about those things. But (laughs) what I've seen and what I've been shown with ayahuasca and mushroom ceremonies is that this is literally a system that we plug into at a very young age while we're still in our innocence. And every time we tune into it, that system and the powers behind it literally siphon our sex energy. You can imagine like siphoning gasoline out of somebody's gas tank with a hose. That's literally what's happening. Now, that energy is not necessarily getting wasted because it's it's being stolen, yes, but it's also being used. These quote-unquote dark forces, uh, which is really just an absence mm-hmm. of light, they're a fear-based reality. They think they need to feed on us in order to survive, like how human beings kind of think we need to take from the earth in order to have a supply of energy. We think we need to draw and extract oil from the earth in order to Mm. burn it and then produce energy for our households. These beings think that they need to Mm. siphon energy for us from us so that they can then use it for their own well-being, their own livelihood. Now that's inherently not true. And part of what we're here to do is remind those beings that, Hey, you know, It doesn't have to be this way. There's actually this whole world of light and love that you can step into. And that's what we as light leaders are here to do to help these beings transition from basically one side to the other. But yes, it's a, it's a draining system and it, there's two things really that happen. One, we plug our sex energy in and that gets siphoned from us. But two, it starts to impact our psychology. So it, it creates new neurological pathways in our brain to, to um, oh, I lost the word, but basically to firm up this conditioning. Yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, neurons that fire together, wire together. So our brain is really getting hooked into this dopamine producing system. And that's what makes it an addiction. And that's what makes us keep coming back for more. But really, it's all to get access to our sex energy, which is feeding and supplying these beings with life. This is so refreshing to hear somebody actually speak about sexual energy in this way, because I guarantee so many people listening to this will have never considered their sexual energy to even be an energy in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's one of the most potent, powerful forces within us. And it's actually probably one of the few like energy streams in our body that we are can be very powerless to resist. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's, I mean, sexual urges and being a sexual being is so wired into our DNA and yet also so laced with with programmed shame that it's, I mean, it's a truly unique set of, of uh, issues <laughs> woven into deep into our DNA. And it's fascinating. And it's so brilliant that you've written a book about this because still to this day, I do not hear this topic discussed enough. Mm-hmm. And I certainly don't hear this topic discussed enough by men. And it's really refreshing to hear it from the male perspective. So I cannot wait to hear this book. So you talked earlier, you mentioned that when we are younger, when we're still in our innocence, we had this power. Mm-hmm. So can you just talk a little bit on that? How would it look if we still were in that innocence? Sure. Well, the innocence with which we discover our sex energy is really the innocence with which we discover anything. Now, a lot of us experience trauma when we were young. So depending on the individual we can look and see maybe we lost our innocence prior to our sex hormones and our sex energy coming online during puberty. But for me, that wasn't so. I didn't experience any trauma in my life. And when I was young, you know, when I first discovered my sex energy, I had no idea what was going on. I was sitting in the bathroom, um, my parents' bathroom in the end of the hallway and I was just going to the bathroom and all of a sudden out of nowhere, I was inspired to play with myself, to massage myself in a way that I never had before. It inspired arousal from my body. I had never experienced that before in my body. So immediately I was more curious, wow, what's happening here? So I kept going and oh my gosh, this feels really good. Like, whoa, oh oh my gosh, whoa, you know, and then boom, the magic happens, (laughs) orgasm. And you're like, I just remember sitting there in awe thinking, how did I not know about this? I mean, I literally thought I had discovered magic. I had no idea that my body was capable of feeling that way, of feeling so powerful. You know, this state of arousal is like going from a 110 volt outlet to a, a 240. It amplifies all the energy in our body and makes us feel very powerful. But Yeah, I had no idea that was even a possibility. So it wasn't yet tied to anything sexual for me, even though I was obviously engaging with my sex organs and having a sexual experience. There wasn't any programming yet that was having my mind play out any sexual imagery or any sexual fantasies. And that's where these things get overlapped because sex energy and sex are two different things. Sex is obviously the act that we're all familiar with. It's all of the things going in all of the right places. And then sex energy is that is what we actually feel during that ceremony, is what we actually feel during that experience. But we can tap into and feel our sex energy without having to have sex, actually without having anything to do with sex, sexual imagery, the opposite sex, same sex, what whatsoever. It can be separate from that completely and that's where our conditioning comes in and it's a disempowering conditioning because we think that our sex energy can only be channeled towards sex or sexual imagery or sexual acts and that's just inherently not true our sex energy is a creative energy we have access to it whenever we want in fact 
most of the time, based on our conditioning, it seems like it's acting of its own accord with or without our awareness, with or without our power over it. It has more power over us. And that's why most people are very scared mm-hmm. of this energy. But inherently, it's something that's already existent inside of us. Without our conditioning, we're the ones that it inspire it within. We're the ones that intentionally circulate it. We're the ones that choose when, where, and how, with whom that energy gets circulated and channeled. But that gets confused because of our conditioning. And those two things happen so close together. The discovery, the innocent discovery of our sexual nature, and then the plugging into the programming and conditioning that then usually exists for Mm. years. I mean, I had... Uh, a decades mm-hmm. relationship to these things before I ever had the awareness to like, hey, maybe this isn't serving me or maybe there's more to this than what I've always experienced. It's true that the window is probably so short between discovering the existence of sexual energy to then immediately succumbing to the programming mm-hmm. and the negative spin. And and probably that that brief window it's the memory of that window that probably remains within us, like ready to flower. Mm-hmm. So at least we have that remembrance, which is actually so special if you think about it. And and the more we tap into ourselves as, you know, young in our inner child, still in our innocence, we can remember a lot of true wisdom from from that time. Actually, exactly. That's that's why it's so important to go back to go forward, you know, to pause and reestablish this relationship with our inner child and really tap into that innocent part of us because as much as it seems like it was lost, it's still there inside of us just waiting for us to go and recover it, him or her, that little child that lives inside of us. So when we do that work, that's where we reconnect with the innocence of our sex energy. And then we build a new, more empowering relationship with it from there. I now have two questions. The first is that you talk about, which is very interesting to me, that we have sex energy and we have sex and they are two very different things. One is the act and one is the energy and that we don't need to channel sex energy into sex. We can harness that energy in other pursuits, creative pursuits. So can you just give me an example of how you would even find that creative energy within yourself and just a practice that you maybe have where you can harness that energy into some other outlet. Absolutely. Yeah, the best way that I know how to do that and that I use consistently is breath and breath work. So if you've ever heard of the breath of fire, That's a great way to activate and circulate intentionally your sex energy. I won't walk people through it here on this podcast because you can absolutely go online, look it up, and there's tutorials and people that will walk you through specifically what that is. Uh, But that's a a really powerful Mm -hmm. way to tune into your sex energy. Uh, And what I want to say about that is... If you really think about it, and if you really tune in to the last time that you were really inspired by something you were creating, again, sex energy is the energy of creation. So if you really tap into the last time you were super inspired by something that you were creating, it doesn't matter if it was on your computer, 
doesn't matter if you were writing it, doesn't matter if you were just thinking about it, but if you feel that energy and what it felt like in your body, that excitement, that, oh my gosh, anything is possible here, that is actually the same feeling that we feel during the act of lovemaking. It's no different. I've never thought about it that way. You know, what is that surge? Let's go into that surge and stretch it out and analyze it. And it is, it's a surge of, oh my God, I can do this. This is exciting. And it's suddenly infinite potential and creativity like folded in itself in one moment. Mm -hmm. And it had never occurred to me that obviously create that, that sexual energy is the energy of creation because it is, I mean, it is magic. It actually creates life. And that of course, creation is creation you can use that creative energy in any creative pursuit Mm -hmm. that is I mean this is such a revelation Michael and I thought that I was well versed in this subject (laughs) and yet you have this way of of putting it in a way that it's like boom I I can see how I can and and to work with the breath of fire in that way is it's such such an impactful breath so I do urge anyone listening to this to look into that and give it a shot and to build up that practice slowly because it's it's very transformative. Yeah, so that's what I do. Anytime so, I go to sit down and create, like yesterday, for instance, I was creating an ebook for my website. So when people sign up for my newsletter, they get this free ebook. And before I sat down to type, I literally got in tune with my breath. I did breath of fire to activate and circulate my sex energy. And then I did intentional heart breaths to draw that energy up and merge it with my heart. And so we know now science has already proven that the heart has a very expansive electromagnetic, expansive and powerful electromagnetic field around its body, around our body, around our heart. And so we're actually bringing that power into our heart so that we can expand it outward from us into our creations, empowering our creations. And the other thing I just want to say about sex and sex energy is we're always conceiving something. You know, when we, when we come together and we make love, that's the energy of procreation, right? We can conceive a physical child. We can make a baby. We can gestate and then later birth that baby. But anytime we don't actually create a physical child, we're always creating something. So anytime we don't create Uh, or anytime we activate our sex energy, we're always creating something. We're always conceiving something. So to bring intention to that process, you really do have a say as to what you conceive and create. So are you telling me that every time that you, you engage your sexual energy within the act of sex, without it being for the purpose of procreation that you can actually create an intention and you can channel that sex energy into something and you could actually feel like a tangible shift of creative juju into whatever it was that you dedicated the act of sex to totally absolutely so obviously we're shifting gears here and we can come back to whatever you wanted to talk to uh, or talk about before (laughs) but yes this is the power of love making. So love making is exactly as it sounds. We are making love. <laughs> we are bringing and producing and creating more love in our union in the act of love making 
but that's expanding outward from our container, from our union out into the world. So here now, instead of one person, we have two people activating the most powerful creative force in the universe, bringing that energy together and merging it. So that's automatically amplifying the power of this energy. It's amplifying the reach of this energy. So the opportunity is to, instead of just engaging from sex based on our conditioning, it's to introduce something that we want to intentionally conceive and co-create. So you'd, ha you'd have to have an intention, right? You'd have to actually sit with that for a moment and ask yourself, what's my intention? What do I want to create in this ceremony? Because lovemaking, true lovemaking is a ceremony. So you'd have to ask yourself those questions. But you can actually play as big or as small as you want to in this space. I'm telling you, anything is possible. You can intend to manifest your dream home. So that's an intention that's maybe specific to you and your partner or specific to your family. Or you can intend something as big as everybody on our planet experiencing peace in their hearts knowing that they're infinitely loved by the divine, knowing that they're cared for and cherished and that everything is going to be okay. And so in the height of the moment, as the energy is amplified in your lovemaking and as you are reaching the pinnacle of your experience, this comes into your awareness and that's actually what all of that energy is going towards. That just makes so much sense to me on a soul level and it just it brings a whole new a whole new meaning to the ceremony of lovemaking and mm -hmm. and we had discussed this before recording that we really wanted the intention of this episode was to show people a way to utilize that sexual energy so that we can co connect to the divine because that's that's the whole theme of this podcast series mm -hmm. and I mean, not only not only could you dedicate this energy to the divine, as as I often dedicate, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll just spend a whole cacao ceremony just giving thanks and and just giving back. Mm -hmm. So you could you could just be so generous with that sexual energy, but you could also be so playful and and the manifestation angle is is absolutely incredible. And I I'm sure you could also use it physiologically and energetically around the body to work on your chakras or to work on, mm -hmm. you know, your body or to work on, or to work even on, on going back into past wounds mm -hmm. and sending healing energy back to those. Absolutely. That's why we call this a ceremony because anything can really show up in this space. Uh, the, creation of love is so potent that it actually evokes from us anything that's not a match to that so it will evoke from us our shadows it will evoke from us our wounding to bring to the surface in that moment to be witnessed by the potency of that love because as mm -hmm. we all know love is what heals right so it's a profound space of healing but it does take a certain level of trust both in yourself and in your partner to reach states like that where you can receive such profound healing and that's why I, I always uh, recommend and advise people to create a container with somebody it doesn't matter if you're necessarily in union with them though that level of commitment is best but to create a conscious container where 
you've defined what your intention is for it. You've spoken your fears, you've spoken your desires, you've spoken your boundaries is really powerful because it provides the kind of safety that people need in order to let go into this kind of healing experience. But beyond healing, like you said, this is a, a incredibly potent space to surrender into the divine, to give ourselves over to this energy entirely. Now, this too takes practice. In fact, just the other day, Mackenzie and I were making love and I felt a new space open up for me that I had never experienced before. We were making love and we were reaching basically the climax of our experience and my I, my heart just started to open so profoundly that I started to f- experience grace. And for the listeners, for those who have experienced grace, when it descends upon you, when it falls upon you, it's incredibly moving and all-consuming. And so, yeah, it's almost bringing tears to my eyes even now to tap back into that energy. But I, I, I felt such grace in that moment and it was being washed over my entire body. And I describe it as the grace of the Divine Mother, uh, the mother, the cosmic mother that's looking after all of us, caring for all of us. It was the energy of, of feeling home. Uh, and that's what we can experience. Those are the, the peaks of ecstasy that we can experience in lovemaking. It takes practice, it takes trust, and it takes an ability to surrender into the ceremony itself. Um, but when we reach those states, it's incredibly powerful. Now, the, the difficult thing for me when I experienced this was coming back almost immediately into my physical body because I the the contrast <laughs> between that experience <laughs> and then coming back into my purely human form was so drastic for me. I was like, oh man, you know, I, I, we're not mm. there yet. I'm not there yet. We're not home yet. There's still such a big difference between where we are as a human species and where we're going. But, you know, that's that's the most appropriate time for us to have grace for ourselves because it really was a tender experience for me. That's very beautiful. And actually, there's so much of what you said there that resonates. When you talked about earlier on in this conversation, you talked about how when you when you bring an energy of pure divine love, anything that's not in resonance with that love, so a shadow, will immediately make itself known to you mm-hmm. and will rise to the surface. This is such an important idea to really embody and to contemplate and embody because what that will look like often is that when you come into divine union with somebody and you've created a sacred container, you, you will, you often will find that, and there's so much love between you and so much pure intention. And then suddenly all these shadow patterns come screaming their way to the fore and you start acting in a decidedly ungraceful way. And <laughs> I've seen this happening in myself with Simon. I mean, when we first got together, it was an instant um, soulmate connection from the second we locked eyes. It was we knew each other and it was like nothing else I've ever experienced. And our first days of the relationship was, you know, 
we knew we loved each other and we knew that this was a lifelong connection. And then to my surprise, I began to experience like some severe jealousy issues, which I have really, I'm not a jealous person. That's ne never been an issue for me, but I suddenly became really jealous. And, and then I heard just one sentence. I think it was even in another podcast where somebody mentioned often when you allow yourself, when you, when you come into divine union, you relax and you allow yourself to begin healing and your shadow patterns or your wounds will rise to the surface to allow them to be healed. And that will and can look very messy and and challenging and difficult and painful and if we're not if we're not versed in how to deal with shadow we can often think oh my god I, there's something wrong with me or there's something wrong with them to, to your partner okay. or this relationship isn't right and actually no it is if you can become really attuned to your wounds and your shadows and to recognize when they're playing up it's such a sign mm -hmm. that these are coming up for a reason And if you can be transparent with your partner and I would imagine dedicate that lovemaking ceremony and that and that beautiful sexual energy to healing those specific wounds, I would imagine you would experience quantum healing in the most incredible, profound, connective way. That's such an important point, Ellie, and I'm so glad that you brought it up because it is that way for a lot of people when they experience their lovemaking and maybe it doesn't feel as free or it evokes emotions or one person ends up crying. Certainly for men, I know this can be an incredibly awkward experience. You can feel like you did something wrong. Oh my gosh, am I hurting this person? Uh, is it me? Are they crying because of me? But really, it's so yeah. important to remember and realize that it's actually a good thing. Something is very right here if you're experiencing that kind of healing in your lovemaking and in your union. And obviously, we know wow. the difference between that level of healing and abuse. Those are very different things and uh, not to get those mixed up or Absolutely. collapsed for people. But this level of healing is because of the safety and the love that's present in the container. So it's actually something very right. So when somebody is, you know, there's been many instances that are lovemaking where Mackenzie will suddenly burst into tears. And at first I was really uncomfortable with it. I'm like, man, what is going on here? This is the strangest thing because I had never experienced it before. But after the fact, down the road, after getting rid of that conditioning that something is wrong here, when that happens now, I know that something so right is taking place. I know that she's receiving the exact healing that she's needing in that moment. And that makes me lean in and pour my love into her even more. Now, the same is true for me. So if there's men listening to this, Uh, don't think that your beloved is the only one who's going to bust out into tears at some point during lovemaking because it can certainly happen to you too. It's definitely happened to me. And a lot of time we associate crying with something bad or something sad or something wrong when my experience has actually been the opposite. I have cried mostly in our lovemaking because I'm receiving such love. I am feeling mm. such a heightened state of emotion that I'm really receiving the love of our union, the love of my beloved, and ultimately the love of myself because we are each other's greatest mirrors and we're reflecting back to each other the unfinished parts of ourselves that, so that we can fall more in love with ourselves because at the end of the day, we are our own beloved. 
Now, that doesn't mean that our beloved outside of us is not our beloved. They, they too are our beloved. And in, in the greatest essence, it's the same beloved in us that's in them. You know, it's just the beloved. It's the divine. But when we fall yeah. in love with ourself, that's when we heal. That's when we can pour our love from a healthy place. And that's really the power of union and the power of lovemaking. I have heard you and Mackenzie speak on on this and I've heard you discuss how when when these shifts and these deep-seated healings are taking place during lovemaking or or in the lead up because of course um like the whole act will not just be the act itself it will be the, the anticipation the act itself and the aftermath and there are so it is it is the most like ripe um, environment for so many of our wounds to come to the surface <laughs> and it will manifest often as so much discomfort and messiness and I have always found it really comforting to hear the two of you who are very dedicated to being transparent and to channeling your lovemaking into something divine I found it really comforting to hear that you too the two of you you will feel discomforts it will be past wounds coming to the surface and I would love to hear how or any tips that you have around navigating those discomforts, whether they're little niggles or resistances, or how do you navigate the polarity that can often come around navigating those kind of wounds and triggers? Absolutely. Well, the most important thing I'll say is in the lead up to ceremony, again, love making is a ceremony. So anytime we go into ceremony, it's really important that we set sacred space for that ceremony. Now, what does setting sacred space look like? Well, it looks like cleaning the room. It looks like tidying things up. It looks like cleaning the energetic space. Maybe you burn some sage. Maybe you put out some crystals. Maybe you diff diffuse some essential oils. Maybe you play some music, but you're invoking the sacredness of the space. That's so important. And that's so important because now, once you do that, you know for certain, without a single doubt in your mind, because you've set sacred space, that anything that shows up in that space is sacred. You know, without a doubt, that if somebody starts bumping up against something that's uncomfortable, that that is what's meant to be happening right now. So you can go into it right then and there without that resistance. What's been really important for me as the man in the relationship is to be loving when things like that show up. So I used to take it personally. I used to feel personally rejected when I felt free with my sex energy and I was moving towards my beloved, ready to engage in lovemaking. And there was a barrier there to accessing her right away. I took that personally as in, I'm personally being rejected. She doesn't desire this as much as me. Uh, She's not in love with me as I am. This isn't as important to her as it is to me. All these things that my feelings of rejection had me make it mean in my mind. So my practice was not taking it personally into remembering, and this is why setting sacred space is so important, that this is happening for a reason. It's happening for both of us. So I actually got to strengthen that part of me to not take things personally, to be able to lean in even when I'm feeling like something is hurting to be able to lean in vulnerably and say, oh, this is actually kind of hurting me right now. Or 
okay, my feelings are getting a little bit hurt, but also to lean in for her and to remember that there's just something right beneath the surface that wants to come out and be loved. And that's beautiful. That's what this space is for in part. Absolutely. And I really love the the idea of setting sacred space. And it's so true that if if we create a sacred space and we actually bring our attention to that and we prepare the room, like you said, however it looks for you, that idea of of saying, okay, from this moment onwards, anything that comes into the space is for our highest good and for our highest purpose. And then once you've put that filter around your ceremony, as you say, you know that anything that does come up is sacred and mm-hmm. is there to be honored and is there to be listened to. And it's it's basically mind, it's mindfulness and it's not just mindlessly going through the act, having all your thoughts come up and just putting them to the side. Mm-hmm it's paying like very focused attention to the thoughts that come up and to the emotions and the physical sensations, which can be such a clue. And I, and you've always been really good at bringing things back to the physical sensations in ceremony. I'm talking about cacao ceremonies. Now you're really good at bringing people back into their physical body. Mm -hmm. But what I have found to be a beautiful is to pay attention to any constriction that you might have in your heart space Mm-hmm. And to actually bring that up and to say, I'm feeling, you you could have a whole ceremony just dedicated or a whole act just dedicated to saying, okay, now I feel constricted in my heart and together you tap your heart. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I'm feeling, I suddenly feel huge resistance to this. I don't know why. And you you bring a curiosity to that as opposed to taking it personally, as you say. And this is not... This is not just a natural thing that you suddenly are really eloquent and graceful. It's, <laughs> it is always like a little bit messy and a little bit raw and vulnerable. And both people have to be so willing to just be so transparent. But it's the intention that matters if you bring that, that intention right from the beginning to be so honest with each other. And, and then nothing that comes up can ever be, it, nothing remains inside festering. Mm-hmm. essentially and for me that's been such a revelation revelation generally yeah that piece that you mentioned just at the end is really important too intention part of setting sacred spaces making eye contact with one another in setting your intention what are you intending to experience during this space what are you intending to create what are you intending to give what are you intending to receive That's so important because that's our opportunity to drop. And we talk about lovemaking as the opportunity to connect connect with spirit because what are we really doing? We're shedding our superficial layers. You know, when we reach those heightened experiences, we're letting go of everything. We're surrendering our ego. We're surrendering our identity. We're surrendering who and what, who we were talking to before lovemaking, what we were doing this day leading up until this moment. We're letting go of all of that. And Mm -hmm. we're going home into the oneness that pervades all living things. We're going home into that experience of grace. And that's the opportunity. But I will say something that what you shared brought up was it's so important to take into consideration the whole person with whom you're in relationship with. So we come into relationship with people and we've known them for, say, a period of three, five, even 10 years 
but that person lived a whole life before they met you. They have a, a whole life full of life experiences, good, bad, negative, positive, and everything in between before they ever came into union with you. So you have to remember that when you go into the sacred space of lovemaking. While you know this person, what's being evoked from them, from you, was present, a, a wound, something that needed to be healed long before you ever met this person. So it, it's not personal yeah. in that sense. It's more expansive. It's more encompassing. Yeah. It encompasses the whole person, not just who you know them to be based on your relationship with them. I'm so glad you said that. And I'm going to really embody that. It is so true. Remember that this person has had a whole lifetime before they met you. And those first 21 years of life, zero to seven, seven to 14, 14 to 21 is where all of our emotional, physical, mental development, and also where all of our ancestral shadow patterns began to grow and unfold in the unique way that they do in each one of us. And so by the time somebody is 21, they, they really have developed some unbelievably intricate patterns deep within their DNA. And they ha they've come to this life with Dharma, with Karma, and with a purpose. And of course, if we look, if we take the wider view, then the two of you together have your own unique Dharma and Karma to work through in a relationship. And you can kind of look at it as big picture as you like, or you can bring it right back to the micro level and just remember this person in front of me has had a whole life and that wound is not personal and the way they might be snapping at me now they might not be in the mood to have sex but there's always something that lies beneath that was implanted long long ago mm -hmm. and it is just the most beautiful thing when we can be generous with each other and just listen and just even if that one habit that we can change within our relationships is to be curious and compassionate without immediately feeling like it's personal. And if you do feel hurt, then to express that. Because if you express something with with the intention of just saying, look, this is how I'm feeling, then it it really doesn't matter what you say. Because if you come at it with the intention of being honest and and dedicating that honesty to the greater good of the relationship, it's always going to land well if it's really coming from the heart. Absolutely. It's very true. Wow. I mean, Michael, I feel like we could have, we could go on for hours. This, <laughs> this has been truly genuinely mind blowing for me. And I, I just wish there were more people, more men like you that, um, that were available to the male, male community. Um, and I would just love you to, to share how somebody, if they did want to work with you, do you offer one-to-one -one work? Obviously, you have your book, but is there other ways that people can work with you? Yes, people can visit my website, www.michaelmcpherson.co. And there, there's a work with Michael section. You can uh, send me a request to work with me, and we'll do kind of evaluation to see if the services that I offer are a good fit for you. And then I've recently opened myself up to work with young people, so... I have a section in my website. It's not really well-defined yet, but it's a place where parents can contact me if they're looking for someone to mentor, 
their son, their daughter, their teenager, their young adult, uh, somebody that's just needing someone trustworthy who can listen and that that person can talk to. So you can find all of those things on my website. And yeah, I think that's that's probably the best way to find me. Fabulous. Well, Michael, you're an extraordinary individual. I can't wait to see what unfolds for you over the coming years and I can't wait for your book and thank you so much for your honesty and your humility and your grace. Mm, Ellie thank you so much for setting this up for having me on this podcast it's always 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 such a delight to connect with you in this way and yeah what I love most about you is well I love many things about you I love your playfulness especially and how fun (laughs) how much fun we can have together but uh what i noticed immediately about you is how safe i felt Uh, that's an ode to you a testament to the work that you've done my innocence the little boy and inner child and me feels so safe with you so thank you for me for making me and having me feel safe to shine oh thank you so much michael i hope you enjoyed that episode as much as i did It's just so empowering to learn how we can utilize and channel and redirect such an innate and powerful energy within us. And Michael really is a living embodied example of the divine masculine. So I urge you to pick up his book when it comes out. Now next week, I'm going to be interviewing none other than Richard Rudd himself, the creator of the seminal work, The Gene Keys and an astounding body of work aside from that. And we're gonna be talking all about gene keys, our purpose in life, how to open our heart, and a new paradigm for releasing our prosperity, which is such an interesting conversation. So I'm very excited for you to listen to that. So stay tuned.